it is I, your humble host, Bill Hatch III, coming to you live from the palatial studios of Bald Spots Productions here in the beautiful city of Irvine, California. Joining me this evening from a more than acceptable safe social distance are my guests for the evening, uh, Kim Lingling and Doug Lawrence. How you doing? Awesome. Yep, doing great. So, uh, Kim, you're in Pennsylvania? I am. I am in Pennsylvania, so I think I'm the I'm the latest one up here tonight with you guys. You are, and then... Uh... And then, you, and then, Doug, you're somewhere in the wilds of Canada, right? Yeah, I'm out there someplace. So I'm in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. And this is probably going to end up being past my bedtime. <laughs> yeah, you were saying a moment ago that uh, that you don't, uh, you all don't change, do the time change. No, Saskatchewan never has as long as I've been <laughs> been around, and that's a long time, but. Um, yeah, we we don't change our time. So right now it's eight o'clock uh, our time, and so that would be two hours ahead Eastern. An hour behind behind us would be Pacific. So yeah, it gets to be quite the juggling act. And then if you throw in the internationals on top of it all, then it's even it's worse. <laughs> well, at least you don't have the half hour time difference. <laughs> No, <laughs> we won't. We won't no, go no. there. <laughs> no, we here in California actually voted a few years ago to eliminate the time change, but uh, we still have it because our uh, our wonderful uh, politicians can't decide which time to stick with, and so they keep arguing about it because they have nothing better to do. <laughs> well, I think I think that. There was talk recently of it actually, at least in on I don't know, maybe it's for just Eastern Standard, but that they're going to do away with that um, in a couple okay. years, and that would be awesome, I think, because I don't think I don't know there. It's always been said that it's it's because of the farmers, but I I'm I've never understood that. So yeah, well, it, it good. I I got I got to go because I'm a, I'm a farm boy, so. It's, okay, it, so what does it, it mean? It it disrupts the cattle having to adjust the different time zones because it changes the time that they get fed and all that sort of stuff. So it disrupts the cattle. That's the story that we've got, and that's the one we're sticking with. <laughs> okay, I well, I honestly never, I never knew, I never knew that. Wow, well, we've all learned something new. I didn't, I didn't know. That. I didn't know that cows knew how to tell time. They, they, I don't know that they do. At least that's the story <laughs> I was told, but I don't know I, that they. I know, I know. Yeah, we will. Yeah, okay. I understand. I was just messing with you. <laughs> yes, cows can tell time, and chickens uh, are good at financing, and yeah. Oh, no, my dog, my dog, my dog knows what time it is. So I believe it with the cows. <clears throat> my dog knows exactly what time he is to get fed, what time is treat time, what time is bedtime, all of that. He does. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I, and I think what we can say is, and you heard it all here That's first. That's right. That's right. Right. Yeah, I had a dog when uh, when I was a right. kid that could tell time. It knew it, he knew exactly when 
it was time for the kids from the high school to come home because uh, they'd all walk past our house and at three o'clock on the nose every weekday, he went out there to, uh, to watch them come home, make sure uh, everything was okay. Animals are awesome. They are. Yes, they, they are. Darn awesome. But, uh, um, we need more humans. We need more humans that are like animals. <laughs> Instead of being like you know, that, animals. That, un that un un unconditional love and, mm. you know, companionship and they look out for each other and just, you know, that kind of stuff. Yep, indeed. Now, I should tell uh, the audience uh, that... Uh, this was kind of a last-minute deal. My uh, my other guests backed out at the last minute because of family emergencies, and so uh, I had to scramble to find somebody to fill in the time slot. And uh, um, and you, you Kim, you and Doug uh, happened to be available, and uh, and so it was uh, a happy happenstance that uh, that we got yes a, a fellow drinker of copious amounts of coffee. <laughs> That's right. Copious amounts. Copious amounts. Right. <laughs> you know, it's ten. It's ten o'clock, and I'm sitting here with a fresh cup of coffee. So, what's that oh. tell you? Not good. <laughs> not good. The sleepy time will not come fast. <laughs> it never does. No, never no does. that's true. I'm a night owl. Yeah, I'm a night owl. I'm a morning. Morning, so, yeah. Well, Doug, you. I were... am both. I'm. If there's such a thing, I am both. I am a morning person because I'm up very early and I'm up late. I don't sleep. I don't exist on much sleep. <laughs> I like sleep. Sleep is sleep is good. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, I like sleep. I like naps. Naps are good. Naps are good too. I, yes. I took one myself yeah. this afternoon. There's a awesome. there's a nice chair in the office that uh, that I can lean back in and uh, and snore away. <laughs> I call it a power snooze. Yep. I call those yep. power snoozes. Yep. Yes, indeed. They're awesome. Now, Doug, <laughs> you are a retired Mountie. That's correct. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> Well, I've never had I've never had a Royal Mounted Canadian Police Officer in my uh, on my show before, so uh, it's always awesome to have new stuff. That's good. Yeah, it. I uh, what was I? Twenty five years. So, wow. Yeah, lots of different uh, lots of different experiences I spent. Um, I was stationed up in the Northwest Territories. And I was in places two or three times where I was there by myself. I had no other, just a one-person show, so wow. to speak. And you learned to deal with things so that you could stay alive. Wow, that's uh... how how is it? How I've often how is it? What's it like to be a mounted police officer? Because I've often wondered, you know, because you're on a horse. You know, if something happens and you have to chase somebody down, or what do you do when someone comes after you when you're on a horse? Well, so there, there, we, if, if we're doing, if we, okay, I'll start it all over again. If we were doing a show on myths, 
that would be one of them is that I entire time that I was I was in in the forest. I was gonna ask well, I don't even, so I they, don't even understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Well my father was in the so, Navy and was and never went on a boat while he was on active duty. There you go. There you go. Yeah they they still they still have it even to today the RCMP the Royal Canadian Mounted Police musical ride they tour around and they put on the display of horsemanship and rider and horse horsemanship but when I went into training in 1974 the horses uh, used to be part of training and then in I think about 1968 69 ish they made a decision to 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 keep the horses, but purely from a show perspective. So they would cart them all over the place and they would go through their their the musical ride maneuvers. Ironically, what what's interesting uh, is that the formations and everything that they do with the horses, they also have people do that in per as in person. So you would part of your graduation ceremony would be to put on a drill display on foot, similar to what um, you would get if we would have been on horseback. Oh, now see, I learned something today. That's interesting. Yes, Not Quite After Midnight is indeed an educational <laughs> show. <laughs> look, look what we've covered I already. Know. I know. <laughs> Yes, and you've heard it here first. And you've heard it here first. <laughs> awesome. Now let's see. Now I always ask <coughs> now I ask a question when people sign up for the show. What is it you want to talk about that has nothing to do with what you do, with what you're promoting? And uh, Doug, uh, you talked about grief and mental health. This is a, a very big deal subject uh, these days. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. um, often in the news and uh, and what uh, and whatnot. Uh, what's your story? Uh, you know, it's it is something that I'm starting to work on a little bit, but um, actually probably more than a little bit. But my story is um, it's kind of it's sort of twofold. So it's RCMP slash post-traumatic stress slash married slash my wife gets cancer slash she passes away and I then start to I've I know I need to start to better understand what are these feelings that I'm having and why am I having them and what what coping skills and that kind of places might help me get through all of that um that's kind of how that all came came to be it's a tough road road it's 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 a tough road um you you'd mentioned because mental health is especially in the last three years uh -huh. has just skyrocketed yeah. for people who are struggling um i i personally live with ptsd so i have personal experience with how bumpy that road can be at times and how sometimes you just want to shut yourself off from the world and you can do that for a bit but it's not 
healthy to, for, to do it for too long. So, you know, for you to sit there and just, you know, honestly say, I had to figure out what these feelings are. That's huge. That, that's huge. So I'm, I'm really glad that you're doing that. You know, and it's, I, uh, you have your good days, your bad days, weekends, because weekends were when we did things as a couple. Uh, weekends now, you know, you're coming or I can only clean the house so many times before that kind of wears itself thin. So, um, but yeah, it's the one thing that I think that, that is working well is I, I belong to a support group that deals with the PTSD, but I'm in a separate group that deals with the uh, bereavement side. And so I get support from two different angles, so to speak. And it does make us quite a quite a difference for at least for me it does. That's awesome. But that you and, and you know, there's courage in that. There's courage in that to face that because that's that's hard. That's hard stuff to be able to pull out of the box and and still tell yourself every day, you know, it's another day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and there are some days that's all you can do is just say, I'm going to get through it. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you can do is just get through it. I understand the good days and bad days. Believe me, I can empathize with that comment because I can completely understand it. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, yeah. You, you know, that's, I think, well, a couple of things. Podcasts have been the most therapeutic thing that, I have done in, I can't even begin to think how many years now, but it, it's given me the courage to tell the story, but it's also given me the courage to, to try to cope or deal with, you know, those feelings that I have. And maybe if I talk or share them, because I don't always have that support, you know, at home or, you know, with, you know, friends and, and stuff like that, at least not to the extent where they, understand things but it's yeah. you know it's to, it's to have that i guess it, it's yeah i'm not even sure what i want to say now but i, I know, just i understand i'm getting i'm getting all teary-eyed sitting here <laughs> i'm uh i'm so darn proud of you awesome so awesome and you were a guest on my podcast yes a few months ago and it was it was a great conversation and it's to see and gosh, look at me, look at me. You, I appreciate the courage. I think it's just amazing. Thank you. And I give kudos to all of those out there who, because it does, it takes strength and courage to fight those battles that nobody else sees. Well, and, it, and it's so difficult to, to come out and share with these things. I, I deal with uh, major depression. And uh, I know from my personal experiences, it's difficult to uh, to come out and talk about it because you don't know if you're going to meet up against the people who are going to poo-poo you or the people who just don't understand and <laughs> can't deal with it, you know, or that third, you know, blessed uh, small category of people who get it 
and will just listen and 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 be supportive of you and as you're going through those darker days and uh, uh, you know it's definitely uh, definitely difficult to find those uh, supportive communities have you found either one of you have you found that at times family office ones to deal with that don't understand you sometimes sometimes um especially if you haven't uh, if you went a long time without revealing what uh, what's going on inside and uh it takes them a while to get used to the real the the if you will real you and uh um, and be able to understand that it's that you're not exactly who they thought you were right I think a lot of, at least for me, I know for myself, I, I had it shoved down for 15 years. And when it exploded out, because that's what it did, it exploded out just because other stuff in line, it just triggered this explosion. Um, people didn't know, they didn't understand, you know, What's wrong? You're you're one of the strongest women we know, Kim. What? Just get over it. Oh. And I I did I did have that said to me several times over the years. It happened so long ago. Just you know, why aren't you past it? Have, why haven't you just gotten over it? And it takes at times an awful lot of me to just bite my tongue and say, you know, look at them and say they're not coming, they're not speaking from a place of knowledge. <laughs> and they might be dealing with their own stuff and they're afraid to face it as well. I think, I think we'd all be surprised the number of people that have got issues that they're dealing with that are trying to keep it quashed down. And because it, it's, we've created a society where if you were if you tell somebody that i have mental health challenges or issues you must be crazy and so you know you're, you're not somebody that i want to be around because you're you're crazy so yeah we are we're the ones we beat ourselves up the most too yeah we you know everybody puts the mask on before they walk out the back door everybody does put that mask on because they don't want people seeing inside because it can be pretty scary inside people's heads. If, you, if there were thought bubbles above everybody's head, yeah. we'd all be crazy because, you know, you wouldn't be able to handle what people were thinking or going through all the time. You know, I'm saying we don't have thought bubbles. Everybody, <laughs> I've found that everybody has their own personal reality. Most of the time, most of it overlaps with everybody else's view of reality, but sometimes there's something that goes a little off. And uh, um, and you just have to understand that that's still that person's reality. It's as real for them as anything. Um, years ago, when, uh, when I still thought I was going to be an actor, um, I was out in, uh, out in Hollywood, and uh, we were on a break from uh, rehearsals, and we went out to this... Uh, little outdoor cafe to uh, to have uh, lunch and out in the middle of the uh, intersection with this grassy median with uh, with trees and all that kind of stuff like a little like a little teeny tiny park but on this grassy median 
was a man barking at cars. And he just was barking at the cars. That was it. That was his thing. And we're sitting there eating, and I noticed that after a while, the man walks over to one of the trees, sits down, pulls out what looks like his lunch, and starts to eat. Then after he's done eating, he stands back up, walks to the edge of the median again, and takes his place and begins barking at cars again. And I realized that that was this man's reality. It was perfectly sane in his mind to do this. That, uh, that barking at cars was the thing he did, and when it was time to take a break for lunch, that's what he did. And it, it really made me realize that we all have this reality that may be vastly different than it is for someone else. And, you know, we have to learn to interact with that if we're going to interact with people, even people who are whose realities are close to ours. But slightly different, not not quite so vastly different as someone who barks at cars. But you know what I found the hardest thing to do, and this is something that my pastor said quite some time ago to me, because he's so good at what he does and he's so empathetic and he has such a huge heart. And I asked him, I said, "Isn't it difficult? You you know, it's twenty four seven for a pastor." with phone calls and people showing up at your front door and hospital visits and funerals and, and you know, everything that, that entails there. And I said, it, it's gotta be so hard. And he said, one thing I've learned is I have to realize and I have to where they are, not where I think they should be, not where I assume they should be, but where they are. And that has never left me. And I try and remind myself, meet someone that's just different, totally different from me, or totally different lifestyle or opinions or what have you, whatever, where they're struggling in some way. I have to remind myself, Kim, meet them where they are. Yeah. Just meet them where they are. Doesn't mean I have to completely understand them. Just meet them where they are. I have taken that to heart, and it's, I remember that all the time. I, I just thought that that was a great thing that he shared. It, it was a nice little nugget that he tossed at me that I'm able to carry around with me. Yeah. If we can't meet people where they are, how can we communicate with them? It's, right. It, we're, we're speaking an entirely different language then. And that happens, though, all the time. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, Doug, you're, yeah. you're a mentor of mentors, uh, the only journey mentor uh, of the international mentoring community in the world. The world. <laughs> That's really awesome. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm honored and, uh, and, uh, and a little in awe. What, uh, what was the journey that took you there? I've been, uh, I've been mentoring people now formally officially as my full-time job since 2009 and i was doing i was mentoring people didn't know what the heck it was i was doing but i know now it was it was it was mentoring back in my rcmp days when i was i had teams of 80 to 140 that 
I that worked with me, and then I went from there to the private sector and ended up, uh, or actually into into another phase of government and ended up working with 160 different individuals. And I used to, I was using mentoring techniques back then, and but just didn't know what the heck they were until I was actually job coaching university or college students. And what ended up happening was I helped them, you know, do the cover letter resume thing, do the whole job coaching thing. And and then three, four months later, they'd come to me and they'd say, this happened in the workplace and I don't know how to deal with it. So I'd ask a bunch of questions and kind of guide them to the answers that they needed. And after a period of, you know, three or four or even more, probably half a dozen referrals, they said, you should do this for a living. We can't afford to pay you, but I'm sure somebody could. So I did some research and and started with partnering with a company in the U.S. to provide certification for mentors and just kept going on and on and on. And now I parted ways with them and I'm working with uh, an awesome guy out of uh, Calgary, Alberta, Dr. Stephen Hobbs, and he and I uh, work together to provide certification at a, at a practice level. So we've gone from a knowledge level to uh, competence level to now we're at a practice level where we what we're sort of saying or seeing is that mentoring can be a practice I have my own practice for of how I go about delivering mentoring and all of that all of which is in alignment with the standards that we developed for the international mentoring community so so yeah it, it's I like I'm I'm working with entrepreneurs that are in the Caribbean. I'm I'm kind of touching base with people kind of all over the world and I'm learning from them just as much as they think they're learning from me. Now, my uh, my day job is uh, as a leadership development coach. I do uh, ethical leadership. Um, I'm actually uh, gearing up to start doing uh, um, start doing masterminds and and uh, and whatnot how does how does being a mentor differ from being a coach or is it just a different or is it just a, a different aspect of the same thing there's similarities um i know that and you can if you were to google that's one thing you could probably do it one day is just sit down and google the differences between coaching and mentoring and it's millions and millions of articles that will come up that, that, yeah. So for me, how I typically describe it is that I would bring a coach into an organization and I've done that when I don't feel that I can bring value. So what I, what I typically um, would have the coach would be looking at dealing with performance, some performance issues where they need to get the person back on track again. And, and it's a very defined period of time with very specific goals and objectives that need to be addressed. The mentor, on the other hand, is going to kind of guide the, the employee and will ask them questions, not tell them so much what they need to do to fix this, but ask questions to get them to think their way through it. And the, the the mentee is typically encouraged to drive the agenda. So they need to be the one that says, okay, for our next meeting, this is what I want to have accomplished. And I end up being a, 
as we I agreed with one of my uh, clients today was I'm going to be your accountability partner and I'm going to hold you to task because you've identified where you are today and where you want to be tomorrow and to get there with if we use existing time frames you know it's gonna you're gonna have to pull your socks up so I'm gonna hold you accountable and stuff so and the other part the part I see that that stands out there's two parts the one is that the mentoring when I develop a relationship with somebody that I'm mentoring it's a it's a almost like a mentoring for life sort of thing that I always I always end the relationship by saying the relationship isn't over yet so it, it's an ongoing one like I'm working with a leadership team in, in a school and we've been together now probably six seven years and I just I'm I'm there as a sounding board. I provide guidance when and when and when needed or when required and stuff like that. Um, coaching, I don't see as I see it as more of the duration of the relationship is more defined. Where with mentoring, it it's it's not. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. That is interesting. <laughs> um. So Kim, you've got your own uh, your own podcast and uh, and TV show and um, and you're an author. What's uh what's let fear bounce? Let's uh, let's start with that. Let fear bounce is my podcast. That came about when the world shut its doors. You know that first wave of COVID, and I was one of those ones that a door was shut on. So I found myself at home without a job. And I'd not been in that position before. And, you know, at this, and I like to say this season of my life, I was like, you know, I'm too old to want to start sending out resumes again and try and find a job. And my boss will be half or less than half. Of and I would be able to run circles around them with my experience. I had a little bitterness going on for a few minutes. Sounds like it. And so I thought, you know, yeah, I thought, you know, okay, Kim, give yourself 24 hours to be mad. And so I did. I was, you know, and it wasn't, it, it's, I, you know, losing my job, there, there was no animosity involved. I understood what was going on. I, I you know, I wasn't angry at, at my bosses or the owners or anything like that. It's just the world was seemingly collapsing at that time. It's just, you know, an odd, but there was still a little anger in there. So I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? You know, at this age, I've got this, and this, this, the doors are closed everywhere. So I said, Kim, you know what? Give yourself 24 hours to be angry. And I did for a day. I was really angry. And, and I was out in my backyard and I yelled and threw a few swear words out into the universe. And then, the, you know, I said, all right, now tomorrow morning, I'm like giving myself a pep talk tomorrow morning. You pull up your big girl panties. And we sit down and figure out what we're going to do. And we, me, myself, and I, the three of us, we're going to figure out what we're going to do. So I just asked myself, what are you good at? What do you like? What do you have a passion for? So I like speaking. I love writing. People tell me I'm good at it. And I'm good at sales and marketing because that's my background for 25 years. So I thought, what can I do? I like talking. So I Googled how to podcast. <laughs> And literally a few hours later, 
I started one. <laughs> Not known anything. And I'm like, but I'm just going to do it. And if it doesn't work, fine, but I'm just going to do it. So I was sitting there thinking, all right, what do I, what do I want to call it? What's going to be, what's going to catch people's attention? And at that time, I'm sitting there going, what's prevalent? And I went, fear. Fear mm -hmm. is prevalent right now. It is floating everywhere. You can't turn around, watch TV, listen to the radio, talk to someone on the street without recognizing that there's fear everywhere. Fear of the unknown and what's going to happen? Am I going to get sick? And I told myself, you know what? I'm not going to let that swirl around me. I'm not going to let land. Fear will not land on me. I'm going to let it bounce. And when I said that out loud to myself, I'm like, oh, that might be a pretty cool name for a podcast. Let fear bounce. So that's where the name came from. And I just started asking people to come on that I knew. And then I started asking people that I had met through networking on virtual because the world turned come and hang out with me for half hour chit chat for you know half hour and on this new thing i'm doing let fear bounce you know and that's how it started and now i'm i just reached 140 episodes it's been a fun ride wow i haven't quite yeah. gotten to 140 episodes yet but the the story is not too dissimilar um started the show uh, i i belong to a networking group called uh, music network one that combines musicians and business owners and so when i decided to start the podcast i started interviewing musicians <laughs> and now i'm not that's yeah, cool that's cool. and uh um and it just kind of developed from there but uh yeah that's that's awesome um yeah let fear bounce is uh is is great do you focus on uh on that as a topic or is that just the name and you just do you know, you just interview people or? It's not the main focus, but it all, you know, it, it, it comes up just naturally in conversation because everybody has a fear, everyone. And it doesn't matter that person, that's their fear. You know, so you're meeting them where they're at. That's, that's another example. Mm -hmm. You meet those people where they're at. But people might be sharing, you know, fears of well, similar, what you know, um, those types of things that happen in life and, and that can cause fear me losing my job that actually, even, even though I'm one that's, you know, there's not a whole lot that makes me fearful. I realized that that anxiety that was indeed fear was mixed in with it. Saying, what am I going to do? And everybody that I've talked to that's been on my show, they share something like that. And Without fail, we just start chatting because I don't go by an agenda and I don't go by a list of <laughs> questions or anything. We just we literally just start talking, and so often, more often than not, at the end of it, you know, the recording will stop and we'll chit chat afterwards. And I guess we'll be like, "Wow, that went a totally different direction." Sharing that, you know, so it's just just you know getting people open up and be honest. And I think that. If the more people hear that honesty coming from people, maybe that'll give them the nudge mm -hmm. to be a little more open and address some things that, you know, at least it'll get them thinking, you know, and hopefully it's, it's, you know, it'll be a benefit down the road. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. No, that's really cool. And, uh, and then uh, the TV show, the right stuff, the author's voice. 
Yeah, that that came about. I was asked to actually be on someone's podcast. They were my guest. And then they said, well, hey, I've got a podcast, too. I'd love to have you as a guest. And so I was their guest. And afterwards, we're chit-chatting. And this lovely lady, she said, you know, I, I just um, just became a part of this new television network that they're, you know, they're, they're building this and they're looking for dynamic hosts. And if you've got an idea for a show, I'll send you the information and then, you know, pitch them, let them know what you're thinking. And I'm like, ah, that's not for me. I'm just, I'm just not getting into this podcast. I don't be person. And they're like, oh, it's online streaming and all that, you know, and, but, you know, give me the whole spiel. And I'm like, oh, I'll think about it. So I did for a couple of days. And then I was sitting there thinking I had that same thing going around. I'm like, why wouldn't you try it, Kim? Are you going to let fear land on you because you don't think that you'd be good enough or that you're, you can't do it? I'm like, oh, Kim, follow your own advice. Let fear bounce. So I reached out, did my little pitch, and they said, we love the idea. And the right stuff, it's W-R-I-T-E. So it's literally only authors on my show. I wanted to give authors, like myself, a platform where they could share their journey, why they write, how they started writing, you know, the genres that they write in, how their journey started, all of that. Because to me, that's fascinating. And people have their favorite authors and all of that, but you never know the author. You just get that blurb on the back of the book, mm -hmm. you know, on the back cover blurb. And so that's what my guests do. And I've got people that have literally just started writing. They don't have anything published or they're, you know, USA Today or New York Times bestselling authors, award-winning authors of all, of all different genres. That's the coolest thing that I have found is I'm talking to, because I, I write nonfiction. A lot of my stuff I write is faith-based and that's published currently. And so the folks that I talk to, I'm right, you know, I'm talking to people that have written um, other, of course, other nonfiction and true to life stories, but then I have horror and sci-fi and paranormal and the supernatural and all this, all this other stuff. And it's even a, a comic book author. And I'm just fascinated. So I'm like, where do you come up with these ideas yeah. and these scenes for these horror shows i'm like what's it like in your head you know? yeah, totally. <laughs> so it's been fascinating and it's been so fun i've been on the podcast and on the right stuff but i'm really enjoying just providing a platform for authors to get their 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 words out there mm -hmm. and their books out there and since it's on tv people get to see them you know, so you get more of a, you just get to know the author, the one behind the words. And that's, that's what I wanted to do. And I'm, I'm working on it. It's, it's a work in progress. We've got, I've got eight episodes up there out there now, out there in the digital world, different platforms. So um, it's been fun. It's been a fun ride. Something I never anticipated ever doing, but it was one of those doors that cracked open. Yeah. And I just peeked through and went, Oh, that could be an opportunity. Let's open this up just a little more, you know. So that's what I did. That's what I did. Toes in the water, and next thing you know, you're swimming. That's right. I might be not a good swimmer some days, but I'm still, I can doggy paddle really fast. There you go. <laughs> as long as you remember that people float. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Sometimes. Sometimes.
something. If you can flip yourself, you can get on your back. Yes. My my, I had an aunt who had um, MS and she was in a wheelchair, and she's the one who taught me how to swim. Wow. And she had no use of her legs. Hmm. Amazing woman. I remember that. That's one of my one of my main memories from when I was a little kiddo. And we were at the ocean and she was crawling out there and we're like, what are you doing? I was very frightened for her. And then we're going to swim. Come on, come out with me. And my mom's going, I don't think so. <laughs> and my aunt's going, yes, we're going to swim. And she took us out there and we were way over our heads. And <laughs> she taught us how to float on our backs. And swim. it was, it's a cool memory. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then uh, there was something else that I saw on uh, on your uh, website, uh, Doug, on talentc.ca. Um, what is a culture assessment? <laughs> okay, um, so typically the culture assessment is done to determine the mentor readiness of an organization. So. I go into the organization with uh, asking only two questions to sort of get a sense or a feel of what's going on in the organization. The first question is, can you describe your culture in the organization in three words or less? And the second one is, if you could change any five things in the company today, one of which cannot be firing somebody, what would they be? And I take, what I end up doing is I take all the, the data I interview, depending on the size of the organization, I've interviewed anywhere from 25 to 30 people to as many as 50. And, and they're typically about an hour, hour and a half interview. And then I take and I pull all the data that I get from all those interviews and I kind of drop them into, into buckets or silos, whatever you want to call them. And from that, I can, I can get a pretty good feeling or a sense of, of what the organization is like and where there may be some places that we could um, suggest some, some changes that could be made. Like one, for example, the one organization I did a culture assessment that we ended up uh, recommending that they put most of the staff through crucial conversation training because they they shied away from if they had to have this conversation and it was a crucial one it, they would shy away from it because they weren't comfortable doing so or they you know they were afraid of what the outcomes might be and so this training provides them the tools that they need to have those. And a lot of times when you have supervisor and employee, you have a lot of those conversations that are crucial. And this way here, there comes back to your topic of fear. I don't need to have or to be afraid to have the conversation because I've been given the tools to do so. So at the end of the day, the, the results are typically rolled up and, and I present a game plan to them on what they need to do in order to um, get the organization mentor ready. And so I've done, I've done a number of those. I've had one where there was not much that I could recommend that it, it was pretty rock solid, the culture and 
we actually went ahead and uh, started to put into place the steps that they would need to put a mentoring program in place. Awesome. Um, that, that is awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the yeah, it seems that uh, the peers peer plays a, a large role in a lot of. Uh, a lot of parts of our lives. And, uh, um, yes, whether we acknowledge it or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but of course, uh, courage is not the absence of fear. The it is the acting in the face of fear. And uh, um, I think we have to learn uh, learn more about how to do that. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. I have a question for Doug okay. on what he was just speaking on. Do you find that with like management, maybe it's lower or middle management, do you find that they're the ones they're not they're not properly equipped to manage when you go into a to do a company culture assessment? Yeah, I, I do. They they have it's kind of in your your now you're now a leader or a manager, now go forth and lead and manage, right? And it's like throw throw them in the deep end of the pool and hope like hell that they can swim because okay. they, you know, we haven't given them the tools. And I, I, do, I do leadership mentoring as well, where I get, I get asked to go into an organization and this one particular organization had me come in, I think three times and each time it was with what I call a baby manager. So somebody that had just been introduced to being in that position. And so then we would we would have weekly conversations where we would talk about, so what went on this week? What, you know, what went well, what didn't go well, and what are we going to do different to deal with those type of situations? What are we gonna do different next time? But yeah, it, it's- I found so often in corporate, because you know, I was in it for so many years. I was in healthcare and, and in manufacturing. And I have found that so many that were put in supervisory roles were not prepared because they were friends with their coworkers. And then all of a sudden they're a boss. There was a lot of van or the people literally just had no idea how to be a leader. Very interesting stuff. Well, so much, uh, so many uh, people get promoted because they're good at the job they were doing. Uh, you know, if it's a sales-focused uh, one, they're selling more widgets than anybody else, so they get promoted to manager, and that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> they couldn't lead a no. You're right. Round rock down a steep hill. You know, but. Uh, <laughs> and that's why we promote them. That's why we promote them. That's right. <laughs> we used to, at one time, like there used to be a joke in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police is that if you wanted to get promoted, you had to get into trouble. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You heard I've it here that. first. <laughs> I've seen that too in companies. Yeah. I've seen <laughs> that. Yeah. There'll be times you're like, I cannot believe that that person was promoted. That is the least experienced person for that role. And they got it over three or four other people. Yeah. It's amazing. I, you know, miss any of that. <laughs> yeah, me either. I don't miss it. I, I like 
working at home and doing my own thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, some of us still have to play around in it. <laughs> uh, now I understand. I understand that completely. But at least, uh, at least I'm not. At least I'm not in it. I'm playing around it. <laughs> well, true. Right. Right. So. That does make a difference. So make you know you can make a difference on that. See, you both are doing that. You know, planting those seeds for those those the younger generation to, you know, buck up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I think you know when I when I think some somebody asked me the question here just the other last couple of days about my vision for the rest of the year and all that sort of stuff. And it was, it was something like um, utilizing the gift of mentoring to make the world a better place to be one person and one organization at a time. And, and you know, when you start to think about that, that if more of us started to do that, I think, you know, what we see today for the landscape of the world as a whole would be completely different. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, so Kim, when's the next writing contest start? <laughs> I saw that on your website and it says the contest is closed. Yes, well, I I tried to do another one, and I only had I only had two people that were interested. Oh. And the first time I did it, I just tossed it out there because yeah. I was bored. I'm like, oh, let me throw out there and do a contest. I had all kinds of people enter, and then I did it again like four or five months later, and only two people. And I was like, like so I just kind of set that aside for now. I was surprised by that. Yeah, that only two people because it's free. You know, and it's fun, and it was only what five hundred yeah. words, I think. You know, <laughs> you can bang out five hundred words. You'd think. At least I, I think so. <laughs> Were you gonna say something? Dad? Well, I was just—I was just in a. I was, I'm, I'm currently in a contest that started. There's three rounds, and it started with the written round, and it went with votes that you get like public. Okay. And I made it to the, I made it through that round. Then the second video, so you expounded upon what you wrote, but only it was audio only. And you're judged on, you know, how you told the story and how the sound was and all of that, the technical aspects. I actually made it through that round and I made it to the finals. Huh. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And then the, the final round is going to be in October and that's to do it, to do your story live. Online, live, okay. mm -hmm. so people can see you, and you're going to be judged on the lighting and the sound and how you share your story. You know what type of public speaker you are, and so that's kind of fun, you know. And that was, you know, it's a little nerve wracking, and I never expected to make it make it through the first two rounds, but I did, and I was like, woohoo! So now I just have to, you know, get myself geared up to do it live. But do you guys do any of that? Anything like that? Do you enter contests or anything like that? I haven't. No, no, I haven't. At least not in a long time. <clears throat> well, you should. Let's make up our own. Okay. We'll make up our own. <laughs> okay. 
I have no idea. We can come up with something between the three of us. So I can feel the fear kicking in already. <laughs> that okay, sounds now like you a, and that sounds like a topic. Yeah. Yeah. You feel the fear kicking in already. Yeah. 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 Public speaking is a big fear for a lot of people. Well, you said that earlier that you, when you started your your show, it was with musicians. Yeah. Now, did they have a, a lot of fear? You know. Because I love singing. I, I, I have a blast doing it. You know, they, I love singing. They really didn't seem to have a whole lot of fear as far as uh, as far as talking about themselves. Well, maybe a little bit about talking about themselves as opposed to the music, because then you have a layer of protection mm -hmm. between you and the public. <clears throat> but right. uh, um, but no, they uh, they tended to uh, to be real easy as far as talking goes, because the way it feels, uh, it's it's like it's a one to one, you know, or 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 three to two, or something like that. But uh, depending on how many people you have uh, in the uh, in the group, um, like right now, it only feels like three people. But as soon as we're done here and I upload it, then it's going to be a conversation in front of a whole bunch of people. Hopefully, a whole bunch yeah. of people. <laughs> It's growing. It's growing. <laughs> I'm not Joe Rogan yet. No, you know, but you know, hey, I might be going at a turtle pace, but I'm still moving forward. Yep, that's right. Slow and steady wins yep. the race. So I'm just letting things. That's right. So I'm just letting things roll as they go. Yeah, and it's fun. It's fun to do it, and it's something I never. I don't know about you guys, but you know three or five years ago, did you picture yourself doing what you're doing now? Not even, I, no. Not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no. So you had, you, had a, you had a little light bulb up well, in there, you just hadn't quite turned it all the way on yet? I radio back, actual, actual real radio, you know, over the airwaves and the station and, the, and a big tower and all that kind of stuff um, back in 2011. Um, here in uh, in Anaheim um, at the uh, at the Angels baseball stadium, and we had a show. Uh, we had a show oh, called. Cool. Well, my my pastor had a show called Your Wonderful Life, and uh, uh, and I got into it because uh, I had some project that I don't remember what it was, but I wanted to promote it, and he was taking sponsors, and so uh, I said, Well, I'd love to sponsor the show and and get my message out, and he's like, Great. Come on the show, and so I did, and I never left. And uh, so I kind of became his co-host, and uh, um, and we did that for several years. And then uh, um, when we ran out of money, because it was a uh, it was a sponsored program, um, I went and took the uh, the format and put it online as a uh, as a podcast. And now uh, and now I do it twice weekly. Well, I do that show twice weekly. Although I, I've re I've rebranded it YWL Online, Your Wonderful Life Online, and uh, uh, and I do those two podcasts with my father, who was a uh, who, well, still is a chaplain, um, but uh, in a different format. Uh, he was a uh, he was a chaplain in uh, 
the Navy, Marines, and then the Army, and then the VA, and he's been a, a, a cruise ship chaplain, and, <laughs> um, and just done this stuff all over the that place. That is awesome. And, uh, um, and so we do these uh, these two shows uh, a week, and uh, um, and then uh, I thought uh, I thought several years ago, hey. You know, it'd be fun would be to interview people because I know all these musicians and and they're cool. So maybe we could have some fun online doing that. So I kind of came up with this idea and started doing it. And uh, so now I do three pod. Well, I guess you could say I technically do five podcasts a week because I do. Uh, I'm in wow. charge of the multimedia for uh, for my church, and so uh, so I put on the uh, I put on the the service the Sunday school and. And uh, and Sunday morning services, and uh, if you count those as two podcasts, but I don't actually do anything with those podcasts. I just put them online. So yeah, <laughs> not a not a whole lot of work. That is that is a lot of work. I I know what I know what the folks at my church do to to get what it takes mm-hmm. to get that out online every every <laughs> Sunday. It's they do they, it is a lot of work. You're selling yourself short. Yeah. Um, I like how you mentioned that you started out radio, <clears throat> and I and just as you were talking about, I I too have been and still am a co-host on a a radio show actually over the airwaves with a tower and all of that. Um, probably about eleven years ago, and it too is a sponsored uh-huh. show, and it's once a week. It's called Voices for Vets, and um. I was asked because I'm a veteran and I was asked to be a guest on um, the one week. They're like, hey, we're going to start this new segment. Would you be a guest and come on and talk about some issues that veterans are facing? I said, sure, because I'm very, very involved in the veteran community where I live and have been for well over 25 years. So I'm kind of known in my local area uh, as the troop lady. And so I went on and we myself and the co-host who who has you know full-time job at the radio station we just we just clicked and we're both complete dorks and had each other laughing and just being really you know goofy and he said the next week he's like you know let's do this again next week my boss liked it um we had callers you know calling in saying hey who's this lady and that was really fun you guys had us laughing and so 11 years later, we're still doing it once a week, Voices for Vets. And we talk about veteran stuff and issues that are serious and then events that are going on. And at the end of the thing, at the end of the episode, he's always, his question is, okay, Kim, you always leave us with a word of the day to advance our vocabulary. And so I come up with a word every week and I try and find the most random word and that has been the part of the show that people remember the most <laughs> is the random word. We missed the word of the day last Thursday. <laughs> but it's just, it's so fun. It's so fun. And it's, I think that's pro- that probably really built the foundation for when it wasn't so hard for me to want to say, I think I want to do a podcast. You know what I mean? It's just fun. It's fun. Radio is fun to me. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I love doing it out of Angel Stadium too, because uh, we had because uh, um, there was always something going on, and the 
people were all uh, you know were all into the into the team, and you could tell when uh, when the team was doing well, everybody was happy and bouncy, and and uh, and when they weren't doing so well, people were like a little less so. <laughs> a little less. We'd, we'd, we'd come in. We'd come in with our positive message, and people would uh, people would cheer up a bit. But uh, but yeah, that was that was fun. I I miss uh, I miss the station. It is a different feel. It is a different yeah. feel, but it, it is fun. And and it's the the first time I was in the grocery store, just chit chatting with the checkout lady. You know, as I'm checking my stuff out, and someone behind me said, "Are you the lady from the radio?" <laughs> and I turned around and I went, "What show are you talking about?" <laughs> and they said. Voices for Vets, mm. nice Thursdays at 8.35 that I am. And they're like, like we recognize your voice. <laughs> and that was, that. I got such a big kick out of that. I was oh. so tickled by that. I was giggling all the way home. I'm like, oh my goodness, they recognize my voice from the radio. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, it's pretty cool to get uh, to get recognized. If you could see the back of my head, you might recognize me from television. But... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> My my claim to fame is uh, is being in an episode of Sister Sister, but you can only see the back of my head, and uh, and so I have a very recognizable bald spot. So it's a start. It's a start. Just it's claim a start. it. Claim That's it. Right. And claim it. That's right. <laughs> no, I I actually did do a television show uh, for a while. I anchored uh, and co-anchored a uh, a local news magazine out in Chino, California. Which was primarily about uh, about local news and the uh, prep sports, um, which was why I got replaced by uh, by the father of a prep prep sport uh, athlete because they thought that they would reach more people if they had uh, if they had him do it. So I ended up losing that uh, spot, but uh, um, but that was a lot of fun. I got recognized once at the Costco. Um, the, uh, the, um, the little, the sample lady was uh, handing out her samples and she's like, you're that guy from that show. And, uh, and I'm like, no, we're on before that show. <laughs> Here, take all my samples. Take my samples. <laughs> you're awesome. <laughs> oh gosh. That's funny. That is funny. Yep. Yep. I love I was, that. Uh, no, we're going to show on before that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's an ego boost, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Cracking me up so hard right now. I just find that <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> uh, life is fun times, isn't it? So Doug, when are you going to do your podcast? Exactly. <laughs> One day. One day. From Regina, One Saskatchewan. Day. Isn't that just fun to say? Regina, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Yeah, from the ball prairie where you can see your dog for miles as they run away from the house. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been there. I've never, I don't even know where it is on the map, to be honest with you. So you're kind of over to the west. Yeah, where it, it goes, it goes British Columbia, Alberta, then Saskatchewan, 
than Manitoba. Okay. So from right to left, if I'm looking at a map. Yes. In the middle. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. For the, in the middle. <laughs> close. Close. Yeah, we'll go with that. One of the places people <laughs> fly over. <laughs> Actually, that's true. Okay. Kind of like the Midwest of the United it, States. It's it's the airline that has decided that we're just going to, if you want to go to Regina, we're going to fly over it to Calgary and then fly you back to Regina. Okay. Ah. Where's the logic to yeah. that? But <laughs> who knows? Uh, so yeah. what's the coldest it's ever been there? What's the coldest it's ever been there? Uh, probably 50 below, minus 50 Celsius. So what's that Fahrenheit? You know, for us United States people that don't we know the metric system. The metric system. Let's see. <laughs> then, then we'll just have to go with the fact that it's pretty bloody cold. Isn't it like you subtract 30 or add 30? Yeah, I think so, yeah. That would be like minus 20 close-ish degrees yeah, Fahrenheit. Yeah, I think so, yeah. That's darn cold. Yeah. And when we were... No that's, huh? no, that's that's wrong. Yeah. No. 22 below. Because when we were... 50 well, degrees when Celsius I was in Northern, equals 122 degrees Fahrenheit. Minus so 50. So minus 50 would be minus 122 degrees Fahrenheit. Wouldn't it? No. No, it doesn't work that way? I wouldn't way. think so. No. No. That seems no. That doesn't seem to be right. Because <laughs> right, I've been yeah. Yeah, minus fifty-eight. Yeah, minus in northern BC we we had minus sixty-eight, and when I was in uh, Hall Beach in the eastern Arctic, we actually hit seventy below. Wow! So I froze my ears. Wow! My ears went boop. They flopped forward. Okay, so minus fifty-eight with the the wonders of minus fifty-eight degrees Fahrenheit. The wonders of <laughs> that's amazing, isn't it's it? It's chilly. You couldn't even breathe; it would freeze your eyeballs. <laughs> you, okay. You know what I mean? Would, yeah. Wouldn't it? Would it hurt your eyes? Yeah, it does, and it and it's it's tough breathing that cold air in too. So, but. Yeah, freeze your lungs. Take a jacket. I think the coldest, the coldest, the coldest I remember it ever getting here where I live in Pennsylvania, my little slice of it, was minus 14 Fahrenheit. A Chinook. That was, that was cold. I mean, that was, you know, pipes freezing. And then with wind chill, it was like minus 36 with wind chill. People's tires froze. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. Something. Out here, it's cold if it gets into the sixties. <laughs> that's like open up. That's here. That's open up the doors and windows and throw on a tank top. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're actually in a in a heat advisory yeah. right now through uh, through the weekend, and uh, um, I'm uh, I'm not too far from the beach, so it, it tends to stay a little cooler here. But it was still in the nineties. 
today. So uh, here, that's yeah, pretty warm. And uh, the inland, the inland areas uh, got into the triple digits, and uh, they were talking about uh, Death Valley maybe hitting a record. You know, the hottest it's ever Ooh. been in the world was in Death Valley, and it was 134 degrees Fahrenheit. I couldn't even yeah, imagine. That's just ridiculous. You took your eyeball. My brother lives in. My brother lives in. Uh, yeah, yeah. My brother lives in Los and regularly 110 there. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how people survive. You stay inside. And I would hate that. I am such an outdoor person. If I couldn't be outside every day, that I would struggle. I could not live in in a in an in that type of environment. I don't think that it was so hot that you couldn't be outside unless it was like five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I had to clean out my garage. That'd be I had tough. To clean out my garage last night, and it was so, well. I was supposed to do it yesterday, but it was so hot. It was like insanely hot inside the garage. So I put it off. And I woke up at like two in the morning and went to do, go and do it. It was still in the seventies outside, and inside the garage it had to have been in the nineties. I was sweating like a stuck pig. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was I believe ridiculous. It. it was so hot. But uh, do you get a lot of humidity? Not generally. We we've been getting a lot more than it was when I was a kid. When uh, when I was when I was a kid living out here in California, it, it was dry all the time. And uh, but it's uh, it started getting more and more humid now. It's part of it's because we have people out here like their lawns, and so uh, we're putting a lot of water out into the atmosphere, watering our lawns. Oh, my apartment complex has gone to astrolabe, so we don't have that anymore. But uh, <laughs> oh. but yeah, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, my parents live out in Missouri. It's very humid here. And, uh, and Missouri gets humid like you wouldn't believe. Um, oh, yes. Yes, I can believe it. <laughs> <laughs> we, get it in Pencil we get it in Pennsylvania, too. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous how, how I hate the humidity. I lived in New Jersey for about, uh, for about six months, which is about long enough for anybody to live in New Jersey. Um, but, uh, um, but yeah, it was so humid. It, I was miserable. It was, uh, it was terrible. My parents want me to move out to Missouri, but, uh, I don't know about, I, I don't know if I can deal with that humidity. I can deal with everything else, but, uh, but I think the humidity would kill it for me. <laughs> it really does take, it really, it really does sap your yeah. energy. Yeah. It's a, it's amazing. Talk about when you're just sitting there. When you do nothing but breathe and you're yeah. sweating, and you're sweating in the shower. <laughs> that's uh, that's when you know it's it, yes. yes, it's awful. That would do it. <laughs> you don't have much humidity in Saskatchewan. Oh, well, it's actually not too bad that way. Just yes. it, it, we're actually going through. Uh, we've got the what do they call them? The the. Uh, high temperature or the high heat we've got the warnings for the next week here because mm. it's supposed to be plus 35 celsius and okay. fairly fairly consistently so um people either go to the beach or stay in air-conditioned homes and stay out of the sun yeah so that's like 85 90 ish fahrenheit yeah. then i think isn't it yeah. around that yeah. that's pretty warm 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. Let's all go to the beach. Yeah. You want to? Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of landlocked. Um, I have to drive at least I have to drive at least an hour to get to a beach, which it would be Lake Erie. Okay. One of the Great Lakes. And I don't feel like driving. Yeah, it would take yeah. me about an hour to drive to the to the beach too, but it's only about ten miles, so. <laughs> You're in a city. Southern yeah. California traffic. <laughs> Isn't it yeah, that would do it. Yes. Wow. It yeah. Is, as people say, that would be hard for me. Yeah, we don't uh, we don't give distance in in measure distance in miles or kilometers. We measure it in the amount of time that it takes for you to travel that far. Yeah. <laughs> and here, here where I live, I often say, as well as everybody I know says, well. As the crow flies, it's only about two miles from here. And we just point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As the crow flies. As the crow flies. Crow flies. Yep. Wow. Haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> yeah, me either. That's, I say it often. <laughs> I live I live I live in the country, so I'm surrounded by fields and woods and farms. And you know, you give directions and it's like, okay, you're gonna take a left and then you're gonna see this big blue house on the corner, keep going three to four houses, then you're gonna see this big tree and I'm on the left. So, you know, that's that's how we give directions. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, I, I don't I don't use I don't use north, south, east, or west. It's like, you know, when you see that big red tractor uh, or the big barn with the with the flag painted on the side of it, take a quick load. You'll find us. <laughs> Those are better directions than what Google Maps would give you. At least more interesting. You are right at times. Yeah. My GPS at times, the newer ones, like years ago when they were relatively new, would take me on journeys I never anticipated. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, where is it taking me? I'm just driving and driving, and it said that. I should have reached my destination 20 minutes ago. You know? <laughs> there was uh, there was one time I was using uh, using an early uh, GPS to get somewhere up in the uh, up in the hills here in Orange County, and uh, um, and I'm following the directions and it's like oh turn left here, let's turn right there, go quarter mile, blah blah blah, and uh, and all and then all of a sudden it says you have arrived. And I'm not there. I'm looking. There's no house. There's no house anywhere. And then I realized there was a house, but it was about 50 feet straight down. There was a cliff, and the house was right up against the cliff down below me. It took me 45 minutes to back out of this hill country so that I could get down to where that house was. And I had to do it. I had, wow. to, do it, I had to figure it out manually because the, the the GPS thing wouldn't tell me. So I had to brick. I had to whip out the paper map. <laughs> I still keep a paper map in my car. That's funny. Yeah. I yeah. still do. I had a similar experience with my GPS years ago. I was in home health care, so I was the one that went to people's houses to set up the services for them. You know, and I'm way out in the country on a back dirt road and it's nothing but cornfield and then my gps said you have arrived and i stopped 
and went, I am surrounded by acres and acres and acres of corn. <laughs> There's no house here. And there was no cell reception because okay. I was way out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm going, these gentlemen, and they were older gentlemen, like in their late 80s. And I'm like, they're waiting on me. I can't find them. So I drove to a higher place and called them. And they said, no, you were in the right of a cornfield. And they said, look for the old, old oil barrel. <laughs> Keep driving until you find it. And then you'll see a dirt track. Just drive down in there. And we're down there in the valley. <laughs> what? I went back like five miles, saw an old oil barrel, like that I hadn't seen before. Cause it's, you know, covered by trees and brush. I'm like, oh, that must be the barrel. And then, I, and there was this. It was like an old cow track. And I went, okay, here goes my car. <laughs> down this valley. But when you got to the bottom, it had this absolutely gorgeous farmhouse and this gorgeous fields and mm. a big old barn. It was absolutely beautiful and hidden. I'm like, this is a hidden little, you know, island down in here. It was, but that was, yeah, that was one of my GP. I'm going, no, I'm just, there's just corn. There's, there's nothing else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You learn quick. You learn yeah, quick. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, I remember the days of, of only having paper maps, the old Thomas guide and, and, uh, and all that, having to figure out how to read a, how to read the actual map. But people get lost today. Do you have those big books, that really big book, uh -huh. you know, the Atlas? Oh, yeah, I remember those, The big too. book books. I still have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, you know, it's obviously not up to date, but I still have one. <laughs> well, yeah, you plan your trips out with a highlighter. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. And that's okay. Yep. We have, you know what, the way I look at it is our generation, we weren't raised on all this technology and stuff. We had to yeah. do stuff for ourselves. We had to learn it given to, to us. Yeah, that's right. So, so I, I don't mind being the age I am because I can sit there and say, you know what? I had to do it this way. And I'm really glad I did because I can take care of myself. Yeah. yeah. When, Where I think a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the younger folks coming up now, they're not even taught how to cursive mm -hmm. sign their name in cursive. Right. Right. <sighs> yeah, they've, uh, yeah, the, out here, uh, a lot of schools made the choice to uh, spend the time on uh, keyboarding skills instead of, uh, instead of handwriting skills. Just, mm -hmm. there's only so many hours in a day. What are you going to do? Yeah. You know? They got, they got rid of the schools here too. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't I believe it. And I was actually talking to a young person. I don't honestly know. I can never tell the age because some of the teenagers look like they're in their twenties. Um, but this was a young lady and I said, well, you know, you, you have to sign your name. She goes, what do you mean? I said, you know, sign your name. And I went like this and she goes, what does that mean? 
with like this attitude and i and i'm going in my head i'm thinking meet her where she is meet her where she is and then my other side the, the devil side is just going slap, slap her across <laughs> uh, and i'm thinking you know I, yeah I, later on i was like you can't be mad at her she wasn't taught yeah that's true that's true well it so be mad at be mad at the be mad at the ones who should have taught her that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I couldn't believe it. I was just dumbfounded by. It. I don't know what this means, and I'm going, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit. How, how do you get by with how do you get by without being able to sign your name? Well, they don't even know what a checkbook yeah. is. Well, you still have to sign your name. Everything's done on their phone. On some things. Yeah. Oh, I, I've been yeah. doing that for the last few days, signing uh, signing this, that, and the other thing, agreements and and whatnot, all online. I have a I have a special pen specifically for my computer. I was going to see if a yeah, <laughs> but you you know what yeah. this means. Either you're conducting a, an orchestra, <laughs> or you're signing your name. <laughs> they, yeah, that depends on where you are. That's right. <laughs> hey. What what little world I'm in that day? <laughs> That's right. That's right. What uh, what what circle of reality are you in? But uh... That's right. Yeah. Oh. Hey, there are, there are nights living out in the country. There are nights where the sky is so clear and there's no mm -hmm. light pollution where I'm at. So you just see millions of stars. You feel this wow. big. And the cicadas and the tree frogs and the peepers have this chorus going that's so loud. And you just stand out in the backyard and you literally, it's like, you know, listen to that symphony. Mm -hmm. You know, and you just do, it's just like, okay, put up little critters because this is just amazing. So I do. <laughs> Call me My Maestro Kim. Yeah. Maestro Kim. <laughs> Yeah. No, I won't. No. <laughs> you don't. You don't. You don't want to call me Maestro Kim Dunn. <laughs> no, I. I was okay. You know, I was thinking, okay, that's good. And, and then it was Mother Nature's Choir. I think I was trying to figure out how could I tie that all together. But and then I went, no, nah, don't bother. <laughs> it, I thought it tied together nicely. Well, it, it does. It does. But it's already been done, right? So just yeah yeah we don't have any of that out kill. here our, our <laughs> sounds of nature are the uh are the car horns and the people yelling at each other <laughs> yeah I, I would i i don't i don't think i would thrive in a city i i don't think i could thrive in a city i love i love visiting mm -hmm different cities, you know, and I, I've traveled, you know, to Europe and stuff, to other cities and things over there. But after three days, I, I start to get edgy. Mm -hmm. It's like, I need to go somewhere. <laughs> Do you feel like that in the country? Um, a little bit. It's, it's more the, it's more the lack of density of people. I like meeting people. And uh, and generally speaking, that's one of the other things that would bother me about moving to Missouri is the is the population density is so much lower. 
it's there there are fewer people to yeah. meet and and uh, and while I, I when I visited the people that I have met have been very uh, very gracious and uh, and uh, friendly but uh, um, but yeah there's just there's something about being around so many people and so many different kinds of people you know it's like if I don't like the group of people I'm uh, I'm currently surrounded by I can drive a couple miles and be surrounded by a completely different group of people yeah. Know? The diversity yeah. of it, and uh, and, uh, and I I love food, so you know being able to go from uh, yeah. drive from Vietnamese to Persian to to Korean is uh, is something else. You know. Yeah, we don't have that where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> so what's it what's it like where you're at, Doug? Like the population in that. Since I know nothing about Saskatchewan, uh, Regina is about two hundred and some odd thousand. Um, so that's, that's not big. yeah. Takes probably what thirty minutes to get from one side of the city to the other, as long as everything goes well. And then it's the it's been known to be the fast food capital here in Canada, anyhow. So lots of fast food restaurants they pop up and then the next thing you know you drive down the street two months later and they're gone so yeah they take no prisoners so where i live where i live 10 minutes away is the city and that's like fourteen thousand. that's nice that's that's the that's city funny. yeah i just call it going to town yeah. I'm going into town. Yeah. Yeah, the city where my parents live, Papua Bluff, uh, um, has about sixteen thousand people. So. Uh, so yeah, yeah, about the same. Close. Yeah, about the same close. size. Yeah. I grew up in a tiny, tiny little town. Um, the town I grew up in just had twelve hundred people. Just <laughs> one, one stoplight, two blocks. Had to widen the road to put the strike down the middle. Yes. <laughs> There was there was seventy there were seventy two people in my graduating class in high school. I can beat that. There were nine people in my graduating class. Nine. nine. Um, yeah, I actually uh, I actually homeschooled, but the uh, we had we were technically a satellite campus of a uh, of a school out of Corona. Um, my dad was doing temporary active duty, so we were driving around all over the place, uh, living in a in a travel trailer. And uh, um, and when I graduated high school, we came back out to California, and I walked with all of eight other people, <clears throat> whom I had never met. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be awkward. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of awkward. It was. I think I, I think there was thirty-two of us. Oh wow! Even smaller. Okay. Yeah. Well, smaller than mine, anyway. <laughs> and back, yeah, back then, they were they were starting to close schools down, so they were pulling from multiple regional areas and stuff. So, because we used to have to ride the school bus, I think it was eighteen miles to get to. When I went to high school, so my grade 10, 10, 11, and 12, 
when I wasn't sneaking off to go and help take the crop off. Um, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was about an 18 mile trip by bus. That's a long bus mm -hmm. trip. Yep. Wow. I walked to school. I literally lived where in the little town I lived in. Our, our grade school, junior high and high school were all boom, 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 right, right together. So entire school career from kindergarten to senior year, I just walked across the road. Nice. <laughs> and there it was. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I'm glad, I'm glad that I, I, I grew up in a small town like that. Mm. It drove you crazy. Everybody knew you and everybody knew your business and they were in your business. But looking back now, you know, I'm glad that I grew up in that type of atmosphere. Yeah, you know, I have to say uh, pretty similar. Um, I'm glad for the experiences I had growing up, um, you know, homeschooling and uh, um, not getting a lot of the usual uh, uh, high school kinds of things like proms and, and, and homecoming and that kind of stuff. But uh, um you know, there was a trade-off in that we uh, we got to go places and see things. You know, yeah. so like it, instead of sitting in a classroom opening a book to talk about history, we were there. We were in the places. It's like, okay, this is Gettysburg. Right. This is Shiloh. This is, you know, uh, um, this is the 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 Pennsylvania State House and and uh, and all of those kinds of things. And, and so. You know, definitely a trade-off. We're again back to uh, only so many hours in the day, and so I guess I couldn't have it all. But uh, what I had was pretty good. What about you, Doug? Um, well, I, I was just because most of my well, my elementary years schooling was we could walk or take the bicycle and ride to the school and. Every it was you know a small we were about a mile from the small town, which ironically was built on land that my grandfather gave to the community to start their to build their their little hamlet I guess is what they were called back then. So wow. So, so we we uh, yeah and then ten eleven and twelve grade ten eleven and twelve we were bused to. Uh, the next largest center that had had the high school and that available there well even i think my brother even went and did his some of his elementary years there as well um so yeah so it was it was a good experience though when you were talking about the both of you were talking about your radio experience i actually in my grade 11 and 12 years I used to go on weekends and I would drive, I think it was an hour drive to the nearest radio station and I would go in and I would tape my own radio show and I would leave the tape at the general manager's door to his office and I would go back up the next week and on the weekend and he made a bunch of notes of things he would like me to do differently or try and then Sometimes I would stay overnight and spend most of the evening with one of the disc jockeys that was on the air and maybe answer the phone or do stuff like that, but just get the exposure to it. Cause that was, that was my, when I grow up, 
I'm going to be a radio announcer. And, and then that's when we kind of took a slight turn to the right or the left and ended up uh, getting into uh, law enforcement. Wow. What a neat experience though. How cool. Yeah. That's a neat experience. Okay, did either one of you guys, because now that you were taught, you said you'd leave a tape. I'm assuming cassette tape. No. No, the big reel. Oh, reels. Oh, oh. Yeah. So you were really doing it. Okay. Yeah. I thought you. I remember. I, I thought you were going to say, "Oh my God, you're really old." No. She wasn't no, going to say that. that. <laughs> she was thinking. No. Real. I remember when I got my first tape recorder, I was so excited and we got blank tapes and my brother, who was four years older than I, and we were, we were still very young. We were not even teenagers yet, I don't think. And we went on the sidewalk and set the tape recorder on the sidewalk, this little microphone, and we would press record. And as the cars would go by, we would pretend it was at a car race. <laughs> and then when you played it back, it sounded like you were at a car, you know, the whoom, you know, that sound. And we thought that having a recorder is amazing. And our little microphone, we were walking around singing songs and making up like stupid commercials. My brother would always make up little jingles to, um, anything he would just make them up like about peppermint patties and stuff wow. <laughs> like that and it, it was hilarious but i some of the best times with your tape recorder taping stuff and rewinding and you know when it, it would get tangled you'd have to get your pencil out and put it in there and reel it back in and tape your favorite songs off the radio yeah. you know you put your tape recorder in the radio yeah, i remember doing that <laughs> Oh my, I had a lot of those. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Wow. I actually missed that. That was fun. Okay, I have a question for you guys. It's okay. completely random. Have you ever or do you still sit in front of a fan and sing into it? I have, I but I don't anymore. <laughs> I have and I do. <laughs> We tape ourselves on our tape recorder doing that. And then when my daughter was little, we I did with her. And she would just giggle and giggle. We would just get the giggle fits. And now, uh, every once in a while, in my 50s, I'll be like, hey, that fan's running on high. I think I'll sing a little ditty into it. <laughs> so I do. <laughs> One of those bad, bad, bad karaoke experiences where just take the mic away from them just take it away and i have since then i and i used to i sang in the church choir and then i think something happened that somebody stole my vocal cords or something weird like that whatever you know yeah bad thing don't give him the microphone 
<laughs> I was singing karaoke once, um, and they actually shut off my microphone. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Yeah. I love singing karaoke. <laughs> I have fun with. I like singing. I, I I too, Doug. I sing. I sing a on our church worship team. I enjoy singing. I'm not great. I can carry a tune. I'm not great. I have a, a lower, deeper bass, and they call me the lady bass. Mm. So and so they give me like the songs to sing lead on that are sung by men, and when I when it's a song you have to use a lot of power with, my voice goes very raspy. So I don't know if either one of you knows Zach Williams. I know the name, yeah. He's a contemporary Christian artist, Zach Williams. He's got a lower, oh. raspy, deep voice. Okay. Those are the like that I sing his songs in church because I have that a lower, raspier voice. I can sing pretty, but I have to actually work at singing pretty. Because I have a more of a gravelly, mm -hmm. not a very feminine singing voice, but people, it's unique. It's a unique voice. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah. Wrong with that. <laughs> That's right. Who wants to be like everybody else? That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just we're when, all in total me. agreement that we don't want to be like anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Well, we've been at this for a while now. So I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking it, it's getting a little late. Maybe uh, maybe time to uh, to end this uh, this game and uh, and go about our merry ways. But uh, before uh, let's see before I do want to mention again the uh, the websites which will be printed up on the oh, pardon me printed up on the uh, in, in the descriptions, but uh, KimLangLingAuthor.com. That's Kim's website. You can find her books there, um, including When Grace Found Me, Real Life Stories of Women and Women of Faith, Volumes 1, yep. 2, and 3. Wow. And then, uh, and then Doug's website is TalentC.ca. And uh, that's got all of his mentorship stuff on it and uh, uh, his mission and how to get a hold of him. Um, so, yeah, so be sure to check out those websites. And then uh, before we go, there are always two things I ask. One is, do you find people have anything to say to the Knights uh, audience? The Knights members of the audience. Do we have, you have something, something to else say to say? Anything, any closing comments? <laughs> Whatever you're doing out there, just rock it. Rock it to the best of your ability because you are amazing. Don't let negative self-talk or thoughts keep you down or keep you back. You're amazing and you're awesome and you are meant to do great things. So get out there and do them. Go rock world. Amen to that. I like that. That's really, I like that. <laughs> and and from my little part of the world, I would, the message I would leave would be that it's okay to ask for help. 
it's it's okay to ask for help. So open the door to your little closet that you're hiding in right now to get away from everybody. Extend your hand and say, I need help and someone will be there to help you. That is true. Awesome. And then the final. Do you have a national number? That's okay. I'm sorry. Is there a national number in Canada that people can call? Yeah, there. There's probably a couple. I'd have to dig them up to to find. I, yeah, I was just curious. Was yeah, just curious. I know. Because uh, here in the United States, there's an 800 number, but they literally just changed that number to the United States. It's now just simply, it's a it's a mental health crisis hotline. It's literally you just dial 988. We're we're doing the same. We're following in your footsteps. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was just announced. I don't think it's available until 2023, but they've they've they had actually mentioned in the news clipping that the United States had set this up and and now Canada was going to follow suit. So yeah. that's good. Yeah, because the 800 number yeah wasn't makes it easy to remember. One eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Miss Showoff. Oh. Yeah, what the I, heck? I, I, I share it every week on the veteran radio show because when you press one, that takes you directly to the veteran crisis uh, hotline. So I literally share that every week, year after year. So that's why it's okay. ingrained in my head. <laughs> but now it's 988. Now it's 988. That's right. <laughs> Easier to remember. Yeah. Yes. yes. Most days. Now the final question. I asked this of all of my guests. Consider a hot dog in a bun. Is it a sandwich? No. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. Okay. <laughs> a sandwich is turkey, pepperoni, hard salami, in between two pieces of pickles and mayonnaise and tomatoes. That's a sandwich. Okay. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't know what you call. I don't know what you call a hot dog in a bun. That's just a snack. A hot dog. A hot, it's a hot dog in a bun. Well, so it's just well, a hot dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the opinions or seem we to be call uh, it a hot dog in a bun. Yeah. The the opinions seem to be pretty evenly split as far as whether or not it's a sandwich. And there are people who have uh, long and, uh, and involved reasonings as to uh, why it's one or the other answer. And uh, I, I've, seen, uh, I've seen bands get into arguments over it and dissolve. So uh, <laughs> apparently it's the question of the ages. So. <laughs> and it's, you know, that I've ever heard or, or thought about. So good one. You heard it here. Yep, you heard it here first. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, good night and thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you yeah, for the opportunity. Fun. This was great. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was great. All right. Well, I'll let you guys go and I will do the closing credits. Okay. Okay. All right. Good seeing you again, Doug.
All right. Good seeing you too. Take care. Nice meeting you both. All right. Take care, yeah. buddy. Take care. Good night. Thank you for tuning in. I'd like uh, this has been a presentation of Bald Spot Productions. I'd like to thank my beloved mother, our producer Eileen Hatch. I, of course, am your humble host. I'd like to thank my special guests, Doug Lawrence and Kim Lengling. And uh, if you feel so led, head over to Patreon, support the show over at Bald Spots Pro. And uh, um, we'd certainly uh, be happy about that. Don't miss YWL Online, new episodes Tuesdays and Saturdays. You can find it on Facebook and all the major podcasting platforms. Tune in next time for Richard Blank and Richard Lynch. We'll have a pair of Richards. Please like, comment, share, uh, subscribe, whatever you got to do to stay informed and kick that algorithm into gear on the platform you use. So uh, thanks once again. Hope you're having a wonderful whenever you happen to be listening to this. And I'll uh, see you next time. Bye.